The Underwater Kaiju from Out of Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. The Underwater Kaiju from Out of Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in visions from Monsterland. Hello everyone and welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. My name is Jerry and joining me as always, we have uh, the 10 out of 10, Derek. Hey, I'm here to talk about Destroyer! What he said. Uh, joining us is also the one and only Don. Screonk, everyone. And last, but still least, uh, Mr. Venom. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, kaiju lovers. All right, we are here to celebrate uh, the 25th anniversary of Godzilla vs. Destroya. Uh, did we plan this? Are we just fuck-ups? Who fucking knows? But guess what? We're doing it. So y'all are here for that. But before we do that, uh, how's everyone feeling? Derek, how you feeling? It's good to be finally back, Jerry, to hear your graceful voice. It's been a while, and, you know, it's been great. It's been, you know, it's been a lot of things happening great in the kaiju community lately. Great releases coming out. The Gamera box set, I've been popping that off, and, you know, it's it's been great, and I can't wait for all the new stuff that is coming out down the pipeline for us kaiju fans that we've been hearing about through the media and it's great it's great i can't wait to watch godzilla versus kong you know that's a great thing i could actually watch that at home now oh yeah well maybe it's <laughs> a little controversy there uh venom how you been oh i've been good and bad it's weird as of right now i feel great very uh looking forward to getting back into the kaiju thing um, had some health issues over the last couple of months, which means I will need to go in for surgery after the new year. Very minor procedure, no big deal, but um, as of right now, feeling great. Can't wait to talk about what is potentially my favorite kaiju film. Oh, shit. And uh, Don, how have you been? Uh, crushed under the weight of too many screeners and too much prep work to get done in the time that I have allotted myself, but... Thankfully, the festive season is upon us, and I'm always in a good mood because of that, so hopefully that'll balance itself out. That's very true, and we are giving everyone the Christmas gift they wanted, which is Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, covering Godzilla vs. Destroya, a, uh, um, a fan favorite. At this point, um, although I think I should interject that there is a slight bit of controversy we do need to address, and that is the mispronunciation of the actual film. 
Now, I know that it's actually much easier for most of us to say that the creature is called Destroyer, but the actual Japanese kanji on the original poster calls the creature Destoroya. That's the official given name. Actually, that is true, but a fun yeah, thing I found out while researching today is Toho did want it to be called Destroyer right, yeah. in America, that's, but they couldn't copyright was, the word Destroyer, so right, they went with Destroya. That's what I was going to continue on before you cut me off. That was why they changed it. That was why they changed the lettering was because that the the name Destroyer is a commonplace word. It's not something that you can copyright. So they ended up changing the creature to Destoroya so that they could copyright it. But yeah, that was where I was going before you cut me off. So <laughs> thanks for filling that in. But yeah, the creature is technically called Destoroya. That's the official given name. But yeah, the, the original plan was Destroyer for reasons we'll get into in the film itself. But the, the, the true technical name is Destoroya. So just want to get that out there before we go too far into this. That's fine. As Americans, we're allowed to call it Destroyer because Toho said we could. Yeah, and like I said, you know, like I was going on, that was the original plan for the name. And it's easy, easier to say because for some reason that extra O just messes up the syllab messes up our mouths for some reason. So yeah, I'm fine with calling it destroyer, I, but just I don't know if I could there, say it. Say say it again. Destroya. Destroya. You have to, to say it like King with a Nubby. Destroya <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, that's uh, I'm just saying I wanted to get that out there just, you know the official technical name is Destoroya, but destroy Destroyer is fine. That's the original, the original intent and the original meaning behind it. So, just putting it out there, the official name is Destoroya. Yeah, I, I, as bad as I am with Japanese names, I'm I'm glad I don't have to worry about that extra O because, yeah, uh, it would just be me saying it wrong constantly and Don having to like re-say it for me. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother because, like I said, the original name was Destroyer, and it's close enough i'm not gonna bother but just getting it out there the technical name is destoroya so now that we've said that uh where do you want to carry on japanese names just come easy to you or did you have to sit down and like work on pronouncing and listening to them or did you just immediately click for you i got into it early enough that i was learning language anyway so it wasn't difficult it wasn't as difficult as you as you would think it was just i mean i figured it out like third fourth grade so i'm learning english anyway but yeah that's where i was getting into godzilla was like third fourth it was like third fourth grade where you're learning language anyway so figuring out japanese pronunciation uh, it's absolutely no trouble at all mm. i always chalk up the reason i can't pronounce japanese names is my speech impediment so i'm gonna keep yeah, rolling with that because that's an issue. No, that's a that's an actual legitimate issue. Because a lot of it is how you roll your how you how you roll your tongue during many of the uh-huh. words. So yeah, if you have a speech impediment, a language like that would be a lot more difficult to, than most people who don't. Yeah, ladies, you heard it here. Don can roll his tongue very well saying Japanese <laughs> names. Give him a call. Or He's got you. Any other languages outside of that fact. <laughs> Alright, uh, okay, so we are covering Godzilla versus Destroya. 
Um, of course, this was released December 9th, 1995, so we are celebrating a 25-year anniversary. Um, directed by, here we go, Takao Akarara. How off was I? Not too far, I have to say. Pretty impressive. I think I'm getting slightly better. Uh, we do have a music score by Akira Fukube, who uh, refused to do like Godzilla or Space Godzilla, but he came back for this one saying, I was there for the birth, I should be there for the death. We also have uh, special effects by Kochi Kawa... Kawakita? Kawakita, right. Oh, God damn, I'm good. Um, <laughs> and this, of course, is produced... Uh, it's the last movie in the Godzilla series produced by Tomoyuki Takanaka. There's a few I've said enough. I can just say, like, Ashiro Honda, Tamuki, uh, <laughs> then I mess it up trying to say his goddamn name. <laughs> Fuck me in the ass. Uh, so, this was a movie that, uh, because the last two movies, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 and Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, did not meet the numbers that the Godzilla vs. Mothra from the Heisei series did, they, they Toho was like, alright, we're done for a bit. We're gonna let America have their run. They gave America permission to do a trilogy, which uh, <laughs> did not work out. And uh, it was actually pretty fun reading about all the stuff that happened in Japan. A lot of fans being outraged. Um, they had built a bronze statue of Godzilla, and a lot of uh, fans went to it to give it not only like 100 yen coins, but they were also giving it tobacco. I guess Godzilla's a smoker. I guess so. He definitely has great needed some great alcohol seltzer in this movie is harper <laughs> for real um so that that it was pretty interesting reading about all that there were there was a company that did tours that showed everywhere godzilla had kind of destroyed and they actually really didn't have plans to bring him back until 2004 2005 for like the big big anniversary uh but of course tristar made Godzilla and Toho said, "Well, fuck this shit," and put out Godzilla 2000, and that's the end of that. But for this one, originally the idea was Godzilla versus Ghost Godzilla, where Godzilla would go against the uh, Ghost of the 1954 Godzilla. But they scrapped that when they were like, "Oh, we've just did Godzilla versus himself two times in a row. A third time would probably well, be a we'll bad idea." Story, yeah, they they pretty much like kind of use that storyline, and uh, well. It's for the spoilers for people who haven't seen it, Godzilla against Mega Godzilla is kind of that movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're going to get into Godzilla versus Destroyer. Let's talk about things we loved. Let's start. Well, Venom said this might be his favorite movie of all time when it comes to Godzilla films. So, Venom, let's let you go for. What do you love about this movie? I love the emotional content in this film. This film, for me, is the most emotional of the original... Go well, of the, you know, first 20 or so Godzilla films. Absolutely love this film. Love the human interactions. Um, I mean, there's just about nothing I dislike about this movie. The soundtrack is great. This is easily... I mean, I can't say that it's easily my favorite Godzilla. I can say that it's my favorite Heisei Godzilla. I mean, that's that's a given. But um, as far as favorite ever, I'm 
there might be one or two that might still give it a run for its money. But like I said, between its stellar storytelling, its um, emotional content, and the fact that the human characters just don't get in the way, they're actually enhancing the story for once rather than just being comic relief or whatever the case may be. So yeah, I, I just... I absolutely love this movie. I've already watched it twice this weekend. I would not be surprised if I watch it again when we're done here. I mean, it's a good time. All right, uh, Derek, what do you love about this movie? Well, I got to piggyback on something Venom said about the soundtrack. Ikukube knocked it out of the park for his final Godzilla film. And, you know, right when you hear Requiem, you just get tears because, as you all know the history, it's actually the last song he wrote for the movie. So that makes it a little bit more sentiment in that sense. And, you know, I just, you know, it actually brings me back to when I got to see King of the Monsters, because when you just hear a few lines of Requiem through Rebirth from Bear McCreary's Reimagining, uh, it just brings so much emotion. And it's actually tears you up because it's a sad scene. And we all know that scene when we're going to talk about it later. But. It's the Godzilla death music, and it's amazing, and it goes right into that final shot, and then to that fucking amazing closing credit sequence, which is fucking, gives Freddy's dead a run of its money, it's the better of the closing credits. <laughs> well, I think yeah. about Freddy's dead is when the credits roll, because then I don't have to watch this movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's the best part of the movie. <laughs> uh, Alright, Don, what about you? What do you love? I'm going to say Destroyer himself. Um, uh, one of my favorite aspects is the fact that this is... Some, we've seen it in the past where it's the multi-stage creatures. But this is the one that is actually a definitive true example of multi-stage creatures in the course of the film. Because even though there's four different designs, we see five different stages of the creature's existence and evolution. And cramming that into a Godzilla film the way that they do is really impressive and really kind of cool, and I like that. Yeah, I always call this movie Godzilla versus the Goddamn Devil <laughs> because of Destroya, especially like he's got a mouth that's a mixture of fucking Predator and Alien. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, so as for me, my favorite thing about this movie is actually. Uh, kaiju night battles. I yeah. love kaiju fighting at night, and I just feel like uh, not only does this movie have the like the perfect atmosphere and the perfect designs for both Destroya and Godzilla, it just works so fucking well with the ending. Like, uh, even like uh when the I, I don't know stage two Destroya creatures coming out of the aquarium and they're like yeah. fucking up everything, and it's like a mini horror movie like them coming out at night it just they just look so fucking good so my, my, the thing i love about this movie is all the nighttime kaiju scenes it's it's goddamn beautiful mm -hmm. um yeah but and and i feel like we could almost do a whole nother round on the things we love about this movie because it's just that type of movie but maybe let's we could do an oreo effect maybe we could end in some more positives after we get into some negatives yeah, we'll just do a whole gush thing at the end. Um, yeah. So, but with that being said, what do we not like? Uh, Derek, what did you not like about this movie? 
I kind of feel like it's kind of forced that they already had like a freezing Super X weapon out of nowhere, and you know, it's kind of out of nowhere in the movie. It's like really the Super X three, and he's like, we're gonna build it. It already has enhanced like freezer missiles. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of retarded in the scientific way that you get in a lot of these movies where. Well, we had this all in the background, and it's kind of like, really, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. this weapon. What application were you working on for freezing things in war? Like, I know it worked for Russia during World War II, but I mean, what are you, what are you <laughs> going to do with that now? Yeah, maybe a volcano, you know, goes off, and they need the Super X three to put it back to sleep. I don't know. Okay, that's, you know, I could see that. I could see that. I'm kind of down with that. Yeah, I could, you know, it's it's, not, it's a minor complaint. You know, it's a, it's just, it felt kind of formulaic in that sense where we just had to have another Super X into the movie somehow. What's funny is that if the movie was set in California, it would have made perfect sense that we have one because of all our damn brush fires. Yeah, why well, haven't y'all created a, a freeze ray? I don't know. Probably We probably don't have $4 billion lying around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. not going to get into the political context of that. Um, <laughs> but Venom, do you have anything you don't like about this movie? Um, about the only thing I can really pull out is I wish we would have gotten more of Godzilla Jr. before his quote-unquote death. Um, maybe even some interactions between you know Big G and Little G, but you know, not as sugary as some of the interactions that we've had in the past. I definitely don't need a repeat of Manili by any stretch. But I, just some kind of interactions I thought would have been cool. Maybe even a little bit of a backstory on how, you know, we have another Godzilla floating around, blah, 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 or at least more than they give us in the film. So that that's really it. And that's a nitpick at best. I mean, it, it doesn't deter my enjoyment of the film by any stretch. Okay. Uh, Don? Yeah, mine also kind of falls under a nitpick. But dear God, Kawakita... Stop with the fucking match shots. You're not a master at it. You're fucking terrible. All of the scenes are obvious and just absolutely jarring and just stop. Stick to the miniatures and suit making. Stop with the match shots. Yeah, I, I think of that match shot in the beginning as Godzilla goes through what looks like fucking Hong Kong. Um, and I was reading yeah. about how their uh, their budget for special effects got cut. The time for the special effects in post production got cut, and there there wasn't much he could really do because uh, it was like you can look at the scene of uh, Godzilla going through the, like the city, and there's people just calmly walking away. Well, the one that I'm the one that always sticks out for me is when this is when Destroya grabs Godzilla by the tail and drags him down the airport. A plane is pulling in and ready is pulling into the ta and taxiing up like it's ready to engage passengers. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh wow! Yeah, because there's the scene because when he's dragging him and he grabs him by the tail and he's dragging him by the and he's dragging him on the airport the runway. Mm -hmm. You can literally see in the foreground a plane pulling up to, and it's taxiing up to the runway and it's ready to engage passengers. Like you're really gonna have people at an airport. We're at a giant monster battle, ready to engage passengers. Especially when it's supposed to be all like abandoned because they're supposed exactly, to. Exactly. Like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. That that's a good one. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's more of a nitpick than anything. But I mean, all of the match shots in this film are just atrocious, and 
uh, Kawakita did that, I think, in Space Godzilla, where he had a few pretty bad match shots. So I don't know if he was just disinterested or if he just lost his touch or what. But stop with the match shots. Stick to the uh, stick to the miniatures, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had a small. He had an even smaller fucking budget. Um, but you're right. He still is not even with a smaller budget and, and less time. He's never been good with match shots. Yeah. Now nah, what are you gonna do? Um, as for me, mine probably follows under nitpick. Also, um, I feel like they give us a bunch of really important human characters and then kind of do nothing with them. Like they're kind of there to just be like. I'm related to this person from 1954. I'm doing the same thing as this person from 1954. Mm-hmm. Like, it just it just seems like they're giving us a lot of important characters and then really doing nothing with them. Um, but the one thing that when I was watching this film, this is a negative, but it, off my negative, I'll say this. I was watching this film, and it made me realize um, Godzilla films always have really good female characters. They're, they're not always necessarily, like, strong, like, fucking uh, Ripley and Alien strong. But, like, they're never dumb. They're never, like, if they get talked down to, they easily prove the man talking down to them wrong. Um, and watching this movie, you had a couple of different female characters that were all strong, strong female characters. They never had to play second fiddle to a man. They never really had to talk down be talked down to by a man and just in general with godzilla films i don't think they get enough praise for just how well they actually do their female characters yeah i agree you know yeah i mean, I know that there's a lot of i know that there's a lot of people that are saying that this is the way that you should actually do female characters in movies um there was an article written uh, maybe six or seven years ago, it it showed up online, and I saw it. I saw it like floating around on Facebook when I first started joining kaiju groups, and it it, it just kept, like showing up every now and then. But it was about the importance of establishing not, you know, the badass ass kicking female, but multi dimensional take no shit woman. And it was all about women in the Godzilla universe. And I wish I could remember the name of it or who wrote it, but I I saw it like when I first started joining a lot of like Kaiju Facebook groups, it would show up like maybe once every five or six months, somebody would share it and we'd all comment on it. But yeah, it's something that I think people have noticed and there is like some discussion about it in the community. But it not to a degree that it warrants you know, it it deserves more attention than what it does. Cause I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I just think about all the like um like you'll see a lot of comments of how women are done in, in film, like whether it's, you know, horror films or a Zack Snyder film. Uh and it just makes me really go, Well fuck, just take lessons from Godzilla films. They do women perfect they feel natural they don't feel overwritten they don't feel underwritten like it's just perfect even in this movie with my complaint being that the characters do not feel important enough for the important stuff they're doing and saying and they feel kind of like Derek said where there's a lot of things just kind of almost feel forced the characters seem like they're trying to force that 1954 uh nostalgia onto you Um, But they're still not badly written characters. They're just kind of underplayed in this movie. 
Yeah, the thing that makes those characters kind of, you know, passable is, you know, the inclusion of uh, Mimiko Kuchi, who comes back as Mikko Yamani in this film, which I love that scene when we used the first year come back. And it's a cool callback to 54 where she's talking about Sarah's uh, Zauer and stuff. I, I love that scene so much. And she has the flashback dream. It's like, you know, big up because I, I think she was dying during this. Um, film. Like, yeah, it was her last film she did, and I think she. I think the thing I read said she died three years later, but this was the last film she ever did. Yeah, I know. I I, I kind of knew it was like something like that. I knew it was like her last film, and I do like that connection where they do kind of bring back that character. For and you know she actually you know she's kind of better in this movie than she is in Fifty Four. It's hard to say. You know she's great in Fifty Four in some scenes, but. You know, it's like I like the emotion that she gives in the performance, even though she's only in a few scenes in this one. You know, uh, but Sarah's always dub voice in this. Bleh. Oh my uh, god, so <laughs> bad. <laughs> oh, this is definitely like the Heisei era was like the the time where Toho was like, "You're we're only doing the one international dub, and that's it. None of this showho shit where there's." Two to three different fucking dubs. We're not doing it. There's one dub. That's all you get, and it's the international dub we had recorded in Hong Kong. Ones, you know, I don't actually really mind the dubs for these ones. Yeah, no, they're not bad. Like it's not as bad as like say the the uh, battle royale English dub. That's oh, the worst God. dub I've ever heard. Oh. <laughs> oh God, I just got flashbacks to having to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, no. That was the first time I ever saw the movie, and I was like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" I for such a I good no movie, idea, that I dub is no so bad. Anybody, I have no idea why anybody would ever want to save that and preserve it for the future. <laughs> <laughs> it, it here's a deep cut for the horror fans. It makes the zombie '90s pestilence. Uh, dove seem like it's not a, a parody. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so Seriously. fucking bad. It's serious. I, I I was not joking when I said I have no idea why anyone would want to preserve that for future generations. One hundred percent agree. I that is I, I I prefer dubs. I prefer to to watch a movie in an English dub as long as it has a decent enough translation. Because you know, growing up in Godzilla movies. Uh, a poor dubbing isn't that big of a deal to us, but Battle Royale? Fuck that noise. Nah. Yeah. Can't do it. I respect Battle Royale way too much. Um, okay. Uh, so now that we've done that, let, let's talk about the Godzilla suit. Holy shit. Burning Godzilla is one of the the most popular suit designs uh, does not translate very well to toys. 90% of the toys just paint orange on them and are like, he's fucking burning. It's awful. Guys, don't, t- companies don't do that. Uh, NECA, stop just putting random colors on figures and saying it's a new version. Speaking of. <laughs> they gotta make their money. Yeah, they're fucking doing it. Um, some of them look really fucking bad. I only, I, I've got like a, um, Bandai burning Godzilla figure and it looks awful but I do have like a um, Vinyl Wars one where it's actually like the red is this one the Godzilla is extremely dark he's like black instead of green and he uh, 
has the red pieces on them are more like translucent so that when you shine a light through them it actually kind of glows it's a really fucking awesome figure um but mo- most burning godzilla toys do not look that great um there are some that look fantastic though but the design for this is really cool they um they tr- originally they apparently put like some translucent like paste on him and made him the whole thing glow but they said it looked really it looked just too supernatural so they dropped that and ended up using uh like 200 orange bulbs and refit pieces from the godzilla versus space godzilla suit so that they it could shine through um Uh unfortunately uh that made the godzilla suit extremely heavy and it almost knocked out our guy multiple times because of the gas that would come off of the light bulbs but uh yeah uh venom how do you feel about the godzilla suit oh love it iconic i just the fact that the very opening shot of godzilla in this movie which by the way you have to wait all of 30 seconds to see is just so great I, i i love how much godzilla we get in this movie i love how much kaiju action we get but yeah, that costume is great. Not a favorite necessarily. I, ugh, I'm not sure where I would lie. Uh, my absolute favorite Godzilla suit, but I mean this oh, this, this one's up there. And this one, and, and this one, it's a, it's a lot to do with the eyes too. I absolutely love the choice of the glowing red eyes. Um, it just it adds that extra sense of menace to Big G's look for this film. So yeah, kudos for the design. Yep. Uh, Don, how do you feel about the suit design? One of my favorites. um, Probably not a top five, but for sure top ten. I do agree. I love that burning red, orangey fire to his eyes. I think that looks incredible. Uh, It just, it doesn't really seem like there's much else it does other than you know other than just you know painting a few splotches on him because it's Heisei Godzilla with you know the marks on his body and it with on his chest his thighs his hips and I think his back plates light up as well yes yeah so um it's not there's not like much else other than that so it's not like it's a unique or creative design but it's just a memorable image and I think that's what gives it a lot of its a lot of its prowess for me mm-hmm. 100 percent uh derek what about you well i'm actually a big fan of the ninth uh, the heisei design of godzilla and hall i kind of like it's kind of like iconic because it's through the whole series from like by Alante on it has like that similar look with a few changes here and there uh you know i i kind of like that because they kept it like one look instead of like 15 different suits in fucking three years type of deal that we usually get in the show era you know but I kind of like this one because it does look a little, you know, I love the bulge and the heartburn red chest, you know, and I, I could represent and feel that when he has that heartburn, <laughs> you know. Uh, I really wish I, we would have seen, like, Burning Godzilla doing, like, commercials for heartburn medicine, like, <laughs> like, during this time. Like, why did they not do that? Like, do that, like, just have him with like all red and glowing and taking uh, and heart heartburn medicine, and then it immediately goes to like him cooling off and you know, like, you getting... get this shot from the film where he's covered in ice after they blast him. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, you know, oh, I'm cooled down. Or Mentos. Oh, the fresh maker. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, I'm sorry. Good. Continue. No, but I like it. You know, I like the new, like, redness to him and the red eyes I had to agree with. It, it's it's Heisei Godzilla, but with a little more tweaks to it. And, you know, it, it's, it fits the film. It fits what's going on in the film. So I have no problems with it. Yeah. Um, I love the design. I'm not a big fan of the Heisei design in general. In general, I've always felt like the Heisei design um, was always a little too generic, a little too boring. Um, but it's fine. I do not. I, I've always hated the Heisei design for Godzilla's kneecaps. It bothers me way more than it should bother any fucking normal human being in the world. Like, what's good? It's like, it's like uh, the thing thigh fat meeting the uh, calf fat but then it just has this ball right between them it just looks weird it, it, it like no one's kneecap sticks out that far it really bothers me I don't like it's not like with kneecaps that fucking big he should just knee everyone in the fucking head and just win every fight right then like if Ultraman had kneecaps that big he would win every fight just doing fucking Sagat from Street Fighter 2's knee hits. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I I, so I've never really liked I, I don't the fat rolls for the Heisei Godzilla, I guess is what I would call it. Well, in general, uh, the he- in general, not just in Godzilla, but in general, the Heisei really did not get bulk right. Because everyone from, I mean, even Mechagodzilla too, to an extent. Oh my god, yes. Got- Space Godzilla, especially, and, and even worse, Destroya, all of them look like they're in so much dire need of a Stairmaster. I mean, poor Destroya can't even jerk off with his hand because he can't reach his cock. Yeah, I mean the, <laughs> I mean the bulk in these things. I, I understand that you want to show the fact that these things are hundred meters tall and they're going to be heavy and weighty and massive, but the bulk. They didn't get bulk right anywhere throughout the genre, so it's not just a Godzilla thing. It's a, it's a Haze problem, and I, I do agree. I think that that's one of the major th- issues with the suits in the in this series because most of them look like that. So yeah, their head designs are fantastic in the Haze series. It's just the body designs. Yeah, um, it's very strange. I mean, obviously. All these suits look better than certain uh, suits in the Showa series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't get into, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, still a fantastic suit design. It definitely was cool to see them do something that like really turn it up and it really add a little fucking uh, spice, a little caliente to that suit, El if you will. Dente. Yeah, um, so I loved it. Uh, okay, with that being said, let's talk about the goddamn devil. Destroya is easily, without a doubt, the most evil-looking kaiju to ever step foot in the Godzilla series. Mm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, there, there is not one single remorseful, remorseful piece of that thing's body design anywhere. That thing looks absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's set for war. Yeah, and then, like, oh, man, I, there's a, a part in the movie where Godzilla and Destroyer are fighting, and Destroyer's in his, you know, he's in his, like, final form. 
and he's he's got the the fucking big like yellow horn i guess you would call it but he can basically turn that into what looks like a fucking sword a gundam would use and then and just fucking hit godzilla with it there's one point he swings and he hits godzilla's shoulder and then he swings again and it hits godzilla's stomach and i'm like you can't even bend down that far destroyer how the fuck did you hit his stomach <laughs> he's like i could bend i could do it myself and he just sucks his own dick yeah but nonetheless the design is fucking awesome starting out with um of course the first first form is some crab shoe looking thing and but then we get into the the i, I don't know uh it's spider form it looks like yeah, Kenny a spider form it, um, a spider crawler the, the the thing I usually it's a mixture of like the gr- spider gremlin if it fucked like a, a pred alien. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. And it's got just, the. It's. I always just call them giant ticks. Giant ticks. Um. But yeah. Then it's it's got the the fucking like three or four claws on each side of its mouth, and they can open its mouth, and it's got one hundred percent the rip off alien thing. Um. Surprised they got away with that. That is <laughs> clearly inspired. But the the use of red, the gold eyes, I love the glowing gold eyes. Um, then he goes from that into this like weird misshapen flying thing that kind of looks like... Um, uh, it reminded me of Zegra from the Showa Gamera series. It does kind of look like Zegra with the fins. Doesn't it? Like That's what yeah. I thought of when I saw it. Um, mm, I haven't seen Zegra flying, so I wouldn't know. Uh, I am thinking of the right kaiju from the Showa series, right? It's Zegra. I know Zegra well, looks like really a, a shark. Yeah, yeah, he's, like a, he's a shark. There's one yeah, of them that I, I swear it looks like I know like what it. he is, but I, I haven't seen him. All I've seen of him is just the infamous still of him on the beach with Gamera laying over the... Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a different yeah. when he's in the water. Yeah, yeah. He, it's I'm how he looks that. in the water. Yeah. I'm saying is that the only... The only image I've seen of Zegra is just that infamous still shot. Well, it sounds like we need to do more Gamma Showa movies. Um, okay, so, y- yeah, let's talk about Destroyer. Um, Don, how do you feel about the Destroyer suit? The final form? Yeah, I, I, all the forms, yeah, overall. the final form is a thing of beauty. Um, again, a little too top-heavy, but uh, the huge claws... The battle wings, the the gl- glowing horns. I love the final design. It's probably my favorite of the Heisei mon- the Heisei monster. The flying form, you don't see it in battle as much. It's probably only a couple of shots. It doesn't look bad. It looks okay, but it doesn't really do much. But I actually, I actually really like the the small little crab. The second, the second, and fourth stages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one that gets repeated, yeah, that thing looks great. I really like it, and I really like the way that they articulate it, so it looks like it's actually believable. Because it would have been so easy to just have like two or three of the little claw things on the bottom of it move to simulate its movement, but it actually looks like most of them are moving like at once. So it kind of has like a nice little like semblance of reality to it, and I I really like the design. I like the way it comes off. Uh, the toys the toys the toys <laughs> but beyond that yeah uh, major props for mm-hmm. destroyer 
In case people don't know, uh, for certain shots, they actually used Bandai toys <laughs> on the miniature sets. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, so there's, there's that. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, uh, Venom. How do you feel about our boy Destroya? Oh, absolutely King love shot him. Without... Where you see the, yeah, the, there's an establishing shot just before we get to one of the military commands where you see them, you see the tanks on one side and you see the, the things uh, set on the side, and then they do it again in the battle where they come together and they. They like scuttle off into the background, and then there's this huge explosion, and then the one big one appears. So you see it in two distinct sh shots, but oh Jesus Christ, no! <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty apparent. Uh, Venom, what do you feel? How do you feel about these Destroyer suits? Oh, I love all of them. The, honestly, the Juvenile Destroyer is probably my least favorite, and I think that's the one that you guys are calling the Spider Crawlers, just because just it's the most like basic monster look. But I really like its aggregate form, its third form, where it uh, basically gets bigger and it kind of sprouts a scorpion tail. I fucking love that form. Um, I think it's its third form. Uh, it's slightly larger, and its tail becomes... Um, no, it's still the... Uh, that's the uh, fourth one because the third one's the flying right the yeah you're talking the fourth one the one where it battles junior i think so but is that fourth i thought that was third i yeah, thought that's... i thought flying was fourth no for it's it's the fourth because it has the scorpion tail on it that's why okay. that's that's the distinguishing thing because it's essentially the second and the fourth because you have the second stage which is the one that battles the marine the battles yeah. the and then yeah, you there's... get the flying form, that's the third one, and then you get the fourth one that battles Junior, and then the fifth one is the the Big Mama. Okay, the... so I just got aggregate and flying uh, reverse, but yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah. I mean, we, you know, it's micro form, uh, it's microscopic form, absolutely love, looks like just some terrifying ancient monster. It's juvenile form is great, but, uh, you know, flying, but that, that aggregate form, uh, the, the, which I guess is now been established as its fourth form yeah i think that one doesn't get enough love because ultimately its final form is so fucking spectacular you almost forget everything that came before it so yeah and for anybody who doesn't know i absolutely love scorpions so anytime i see anything that has a uh, scorpion form to it absolutely love it i have multiple scorpions tattooed on my body um but yeah i i, I all five forms of De uh, hmm. destroya are just spectacular absolutely love them you're you're a fan of scorpions, but uh, you, you go under Venom instead of uh, the Spider-Man villain Scorpion. What's up with that? Uh, my full nickname. Uh, there, it's a, it's kind of a long story, but let's just I'll give you the quick short version. Uh, I used to raise scorpions when I lived in Pittsburgh, like uh, Emperor Scorpions. I used to raise Emperor Scorpions, and obviously when you raise scorpions. You have to handle them, and eventually you're going to get stung. I got stung plenty of times. Uh, my roommate at the time made the joke that I have more scorpion venom in my uh, system than blood, and scorpion venom actually became my nickname, like my full nickname. And then uh, I just, years later, I just shortened it to Mr. Venom. So there you go. History lesson. Okay. Well, now we all know. I was always curious. I just thought you were a big fan of Venom from Spider-Man. Uh I mean, yes, but that's that's not where the nickname came from. <laughs> okay, fair. All right, now we know. Uh, Derek, how do you feel about these suits? 
I just found out that Venom's like Pat Morita and King Cobra. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, I like the all the designs. They're all pretty great for what they are. You know, like even the crawling one. Probably, I agree. It's probably my least favorite, but it's still pretty effective for the scenes that it's in, especially when it's trying to fuck with that one news reporter girl. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, he's like, she's like, I'm going to fucking lick you with my big tongue, bitch. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's fucking funny in that sense. And, you know, it just crashed for all those cars and he's chasing after people. It's pretty fun, you know, and then when it gets to, you know, the flying form and then, you know, like the form where it fights Junior and then it gets into his final form where it's like, I'm just going to pick this fucking bitch up and fucking throw him through a building. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. great. You know, one thing I don't like about that spider form is the, the, uh, it's oxygen beam. You know, we just saw like, uh, you know, the fishes deteriorating in front of our face, but when we see it on humans, you never see any of the humans deteriorate or anything like that. And I really feel like that was a misstep. Um, yeah. the, the beam itself looks cool and I like when it hits and then it disappears in front and kind of comes out the back. But then the people just kind of fall down. Yeah. And I was just like, always kind of bummed out about that. Yeah, it seems like yeah. an expensive effect. Yeah, it does. But I'm just like, you showed us the... F- f- you did it in Godzilla vs. Hedorah. You can do yeah. it now. Yeah, the fish was a callback, though, to the original. I understand why they did that, too. But I, could, I could see what you mean. You wish you could see it on like, what would happen to a human. <laughs> yeah, I want to see human skeletons. God damn it. Tired of only seeing it in Hedorah. Anytime I want to see a human skeleton and Godzilla at the same time, which I don't know why that combination keeps fucking bringing me in, I gotta watch Godzilla vs. Hedorah. Could have been watching Godzilla vs. Destroya. Yeah, but I like to smoke a lot of weed to Godzilla vs. Hedorah, so there's that. I mean, that's a valid point. You know, you just. Godzilla's defense, though. He uses his atomic <coughs> on a person. Are there going to be even any bones left? Well, I'm not talking about Godzilla, dude. I'm talking about I'm talking oh, about the oxygen destroyer beam that's being shot out of Destroya. Yeah. Specifically, the spider crawling uh, destroyer. By the time he gets to where he looks like the goddamn devil, then you know it's like fuck it, bro. You do what you want. I ain't saying shit. Uh, I got a question to ask you about the story real quick. How do you feel about him just being taken down by ice beams at the end? Like, really? We've yeah, the like 15 times in the movie. The ending, the ending, beating Destroyer is like he's the only thing we can't defeat Godzilla, but he can defeat Godzilla, and this bitch will die to ice. Like, we good. Like, yeah, the ending feels a little uh, convenient. Mm-hmm. But it goes back to the mic. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. You, you see just... that the the freezing of Godzilla and the meltdown, and then you see the the rise of Godzilla Junior, and you kind of forget that that Destroyer went out like a bitch. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's good filmmaking. You know, it you, really you, is. You have a weakness, so kind of you know sweep it under the carpet a little bit because that was never. I mean. Consciously, yes, I understand that it is a very, very convenient ending, but at no point during none of my rewatches ever over the years has that ever really been a big issue uh, for me. So, eh. 
yeah, I just wanted to bring it up to you guys to see how you guys felt about it because I know a lot of people do bitch about it a lot. Like Godzilla doesn't get the final blow on the main <clears throat> bad guy, you know. There's a there's a YouTuber. Uh, God, I it might be Titan Goji. I can't remember who fucking hates this movie and like has done like this huge like long ass video on why this is a bad movie, why it's disrespectful to the 1954 thing. And, and I've watched it, and he brings up a lot of good points. But I'm just like... I, but I don't feel that when I watch the movie. The movie, when I'm watching the movie, is so well-paced between... Oh. Sorry. Drag racing over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, movie's, the movie is so well-paced between having uh, decent human scenes and great kaiju scenes jumping between the two fantastically and giving us enough nostalgia to you know also prop up a a few of the other moments so no time when i'm watching this do i ever even really have the time to think negatively about the movie it it moves so fast and it's Mm -hmm. doing such a good job it's not overly complicated like uh, a certain other heisei godzilla movie who will remain nameless uh, but it does involve a dragon with three heads. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's, it's, it just does such a good job as a movie, like, especially with pacing. Cause some Godzilla movies have bad pacing where you're really just like, get to the Godzilla fight, get to the Godzilla fight. No one gives a shit about you fucking robbing, uh, ancient tombs and how your ex-wife's a bitch we don't care <laughs> uh you i know? like that movie but we'll get into that when we get into that movie <laughs> but, uh, you know. no, no no that movie's not b- bad it's definitely not the worst uh heisei godzilla movie which i still don't understand how the worst heisei godzilla movie has fucking mecha godzilla and rodan in it how did you fuck that up because you had bad pacing and you're kind baby, of boring. I love you, and, baby. Let's fuck the guy that invented Garuda. I know. I'm watching that, and I'm just like, what, like, are you gonna fuck the baby Godzilla? Like, is this some weird, like, Godzilla version of Tammy and the T-Rex? What I was, am I watching? I was getting some Doctor Doolittle vibes with the guy does building flying weapons, like he's just trying to fall in love. <laughs> For real, I don't understand any of this, but um. Speaking yeah. of Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla, that guy is actually the pilot of Super X Three, the, the main dude from Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla Two. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, the Heisei series reuses so many goddamn actors, uh, but that, but then a lot of them are playing the same role, which is actually pretty dope. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is he actually the same character, or is he a different act character in this movie? Uh, I didn't. I, I know what you're talking about. I didn't think to check the cast list. I think it's just a generic... I, I think they're just using him as a general different person. Because if you remember, he would have been... Well, technically, it, it may have been the same guy because if you remember at the end of Mechagodzilla, he was in the he was the pilot of Mechagodzilla, so it, it may have as well have been the same character. Not... Not like acknowledging it or anything, but yeah, it may have been. I, I mean, I didn't think to check the the IMDb thing or not. But talk it, about it, a career downgrade! You go from piloting Mecha Godzilla 
to find flying the JX three or whatever they fuck they call it that just turns things into popsicles. Hey, it works at the end of the day. That's all that matters. That's true. I should shut up. That I'm talking shit about something that that 100 worked. It's not like fucking Mogera and Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. You know, it's like it's like it took down destroy. It's like I'm, we're the fucking kings of Super X. You know. It took down uh, the devil. It took down the goddamn <laughs> devil, and that's what's important. Um, does anyone else have anything else they want to say about the this movie? Just, uh, fucking that whole final credit sequence where it goes through like all the movies, fucking amazing. Yeah. And you get little flashes of like King Kong versus Godzilla in the middle. Like, dun, 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 it's fucking so good. I fucking love that whole scene and. Rest in peace, man. Oh, maestro. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, you know, it's his theme song. He plays it over his best moments. So. Yep. There were multiple uh, spots of great score in this. I thought I thought the score during Godzilla's uh, getting frozen was pretty fucking epic. Obviously, oh, the, death the of Godzilla. Super X, the Super what? X. Yeah, battle is one of my favorites. Exactly. Even the 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 kind of I mean, assuming that song, we could call it the Super X three theme. The song well, it, is it's playing. Because, yeah, because uh-huh. it because te- it's technically used. Uh, it was actually written earlier when it was used for the scene of it flying inside when it's powering up to go into mm-hmm. battle. The second because they reused the song. That was the original spot in the film where it was supposed to have been placed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah so it's the Super X three theme, but. The, and they used it earlier in the film because if Akube couldn't come up with the new battle theme because he'd already used, um, I think he'd already used up all, all of his time for the thing because it was so fast that they, the production was so fast that he couldn't have he didn't have time to write a new battle theme. So because it was short enough, they just reused the Super X three theme because you know again it's also Super X three like triumphant because he actually wins the fight, but the actual reason why it was used was the powering up to go into battle in the the second for the second battle that was the actual that was its actual composition mm-hmm. piece and then because it, it, he was just out of time and couldn't come up with a new piece for the the first fight when they froze him they reused it because it showed super x3 triumphant in the sequence so yeah that's actually super x3's theme song the fight between godzilla and super x where it freezes him yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, okay. it's technically called. Yeah, on the soundtrack, it's technically called the Super X Three theme. So that's what it was. That's what it's used for. But it was actually for the second sequence, where it's charging up in the battle station, heading out into battle. You know, it's appropriate that it's called Super X Three because that's basically Super Triple X. And let's be honest, it covers Godzilla's face in the thick whiteness. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> which there are points in the freezing of godzilla where they use that cgi and and for a brief moment you're like oh that looks bad and then it then the cgi goes away and it's back to like now just a frozen suit and you're like oh that looks awesome <laughs> yep um all right yeah anything else anyone got anything else they want to say on the movie before we, we move into the ultraman report 
I mean, you know, honestly, I could talk this movie up for two hours, but yeah, I mean, there's th- th- this movie is damn near pretty close to perfect for me amazing score great cinematography jerry mentioned the nighttime kaiju scenes which are all impeccable uh, my favorite heisei villain by far my second favorite uh, godzilla vi- villain overall ever i i just yeah I-, I can't say enough good things about this movie easily my favorite heisei and probably a top three or four uh, uh overall over the entire franchise for me dope nice all right well with that being said uh it's it's ultraman report we've got uh uh the in fun fact the uh release date for this ultraman episode is december 18th 1966 uh keeping with we're all december here this episode is called my earth my home is earth um but i will not be doing the ultraman report instead i'm handing it over to derek and derek is going to walk everyone through this fantastic episode of ultraman <clears throat> yep that's right before i have to clear my throat there sorry guys but ah here we go the home my home is earth like you said premiered december 18th of 1966 uh yeah the this episode opens up where you see this you know you get this like dialogue heavy thing where you know the international peace conference is about to be held and then all we see is like these sudden air accidents where we see planes exploding and you know and then they call the science patrol and you know they're all investigating they actually have mr allen who we saw in previous episodes because he's part of the science patrol french fucking line you know, yeah, what's up with it? What? Why is the Science Patrol always hooking up with the French Connection? G ninety eight, man, it's all connected. <laughs> Holy shit, it is. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's how they. That's maybe Emmerich was more of a fan of Ultraman. I don't know. What to tell you. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, you know, pretty much they investigate, and you know. It, they're trying to investigate and they have like these lines of dialogue of what is going on it's like invisible walls and shit like this and then we cut to another scene where there's like this police chase happening where they're chasing after this police car and the car ends up crashing to what appears to be an invisible wall the science patrol go to investigate the next day later and uh yeah, they can't go any further because they end up hitting this invisible wall in one of their spaceships, and uh, they almost get killed by what appears to be an invisible rocket. What ends up happening after that is uh, Ito and uh, Fuji are in the other plane. They're chasing after Ito's got like his little handgun thing there. Oh yeah, they said it's a, a tracer beam or something like that. <coughs> yeah, it's like yeah. a tracer beam or something like that. And he's trying to trace it and track it. But uh, he can't hit it because it's going super fast and he can't see it. And he's like, how are you supposed to see this? And, you know, they end up, the thing ends up getting out of sight and getting out of mind. They can't find it. So uh, Ito ends up finding out, and, you know, when they go back to the headquarters, is that this thing is actually flying at a super high, fast frequency speed where it's not actually invisible. You just can't see it because it's going super fast. So what Ito ends up doing, as we see in this line, he's actually invented new uh, fucking inventions. The night he stays up all night inventing like these spectra beams, like the spectra beta, spectra alpha, and spectra gamma. Uh, actually, 
Gamma, the Hulk, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's actually fun in that sense where, you know, there's a scene later where, you know, they're about to go on the mission and Ito's asleep standing up. <laughs> He's like, Ito, what are you doing? Oh, oh, oh what happened? You know? And so, I'm like, y'all got to quit being hard on Ito. He's inventing all y'all shit. You know, that's yeah. exactly how I felt, too. Like, the captain's just a dick. Like, at least Fuji was like, I'm really impressed by someone who can invent stuff. It's really cool. Like, Fuji gives him props this episode. And but she like, brings him coffee to keep him awake. Yeah, oh. Fuji's where it's at. The captain? I don't know what's wrong with that motherfucker. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. You know? So they end up using, like, these new Spectre rays to find this... What appears to be a flying saucer as we finally get to see it they end up shooting the flying saucer down and it crashes and then we're introduced to our main creature of this episode jamila yep yeah jamila you know and uh i gotta stop here and you know we get the first look at jamila I'll start with Jerry. Jerry, what do you think about Jim Hiller's Ooh, look? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I go, I know they've got to make a lot of monster outfits, but, like, what the fuck am I looking at? It, it, it's a it's a it's a thing of dried mud with a with a with a mouth and eyes and then like just. <laughs> really long arms it's just weird to look at like i don't like i'm not impressed by it but the more i look at it i'm just like it's so fucking weird that like i start off where i'm like this is awful and then by the end of it i'm like this is so weird that you know what fuck it i give it a pass (laughs) don don what do you think about jamila uh I like it more when he's in motion because it hides how fucking low budget the suit is. Because that thing wrinkles like crazy. I mean, it folds in on itself like so much when he's just like standing still. Uh, I, I have no idea where the hell they were trying to go with this thing. I mean, it looks like a cobra hood, but it's his entire body. Uh, uh, I mean, like like Jerry said, you know, you gotta pump these things out quickly. I mean, it, uh, it's it's definitely the weakest looking vil- villain he's faced so far. Um, yeah, it's definitely not Jesus Venom. One of my favorites. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doc. Venom just in the group chat sent the picture of the fucking. If y'all remember that Looney Tunes. Uh, episode where Bugs Bunny is in like this castle and this doctor releases his monster and it's just a big red like furry monster. <laughs> it's Gossamer, <laughs> man. It looks just like it, except like if you put a um face a trash bag over it and then caked it with mud. <laughs> that was oh, so good. You got the jokes, man. What do you think? Oh, man. I had no idea what I was looking at. At first, I thought it was a shaved Gossamer, who's the character that Jerry's talking about from the old Looney Tunes cartoons. Then I thought it looked like a Yeti with Down Syndrome. I, I, 
I had I had no idea what to make of this creature whatsoever. And what's funny is that once we're done talking about this, the walkthrough, I'm actually going to praise this episode. Uh, this episode may be my favorite Ultraman episode, even though it has one of the worst kaiju designs on the series. But, man, yeah, I, I just... I mean, and my wife was actually watching that episode with me. She just happened to be home, and yeah, she couldn't stop laughing. I had to rewind multiple scenes because she was laughing too hard, so I could hear what they were saying. But yeah, this this, this was uh, this was a little bit of a misstep for the uh, Ultraman filmmakers. I'll tell you what, though, if there was a Ultraman uh, Kaiju football team, he's my fucking linebacker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, what I got out of it, he kind of looks like a steroid. Putty from Power Rangers, kind of. Holy <laughs> shit, yes. You know, that's you the way I would describe pancake. it. Yeah, you know, it's like if a putty fucked a pancake. <laughs> and then did steroids. The baby did steroids and told life. That's what oh, I'm wow. But, uh, back to the episode at hand. You know, the actually, the one who actually names the monster is Mr. Allen, the French correspondent for the Science Patrol. And he recognizes it, and he starts to cry in guilt as they are chasing after and firing, and even Fuji sees this. Mr. Allen, are you okay? Why are you crying? And, you know, the monster ends up getting away, and it goes into the nighttime where we get, you know, they're still in the hunt, and they're around a fire, and, you know, they start asking Mr. Allen questions. Mr. Allen, why weren't you acting that way? Why do you know the monster's name, and how do you know? And he pretty much... This is actually the part of this episode that kind of blew me the fuck away. Uh, Jamela is not actually a monster. It was a human astronaut that went into outer space from an unknown country through, like, it was part of, like, that whole arms race between the United States and Russia space race. And he got lost in space. And he tells the story. Pretty much the theory is Jamila went on this desert planet and adapted to it and became this creature. And he's back on Earth because he blames the Earth's people for what happened to him, pretty much. And, uh, the, you know, before we get any further, that, that whole thing is, like, very deep to take in when you first hear it. As we see later on, Ito's, like, first reaction is like, what the fuck? What, you know, it's kind of scary for Ito because... Where does this actually happen to one of them? Would they hunt him down to, you know, and hunt one of his friends down pretty much? It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Sense it, it, there's a sense. there's a good amount of social commentary here. I mean, you know, are you willing to kill a friend to help, you know, the general population? You know, kill one to save millions. It, it you know, it's an equation that we shouldn't even have to think about. But when it comes to someone that we actually know and care about, I could see why uh, that doctor was, you know, very emotional, downright crying during some of those scenes. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine what that's like, knowing that you're you're trying to kill a friend. Yes, you're doing it for the sake of humanity, but you're still killing a friend. So, yeah, that that's a big reason why this is probably my favorite Ultraman episode ever. It doesn't, this episode is definitely not as fun as most of the past episodes. I mean, you, you walk away from this episode almost depressed, you know, like it's not a happy episode, 
But uh, if you want depressing episodes, just wait until we hit the 30s. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we got a lot more coming, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for more episodes like this because it's almost like the series is starting to take a turn from like you know a straight kid show to maybe starting to deal with more young adult issues, and I like that. Yeah, I like two the words: monster graveyard. Nice. Can't wait. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really enjoying the evolution of the show. It seems to be growing up, kind of, while still keeping its playful, you know, whimsical kaiju feel. But yeah, this episode was definitely a heavy thinker. Lots of social commentary here. Yeah, you, you know, in that sense where it, it goes into Ito's doesn't want to be part of the science patrol anymore, and you know they're trying to talk him out of it. You know, and they're like, pretty much, you have if, if we have to stop one to save millions, we have to do it. And I know how you feel, and they're all talking into it. And, you know, it goes into the next day where this monster is attacking a village, and you know, it's like uh, being, you know, it's confronted by giant flamethrowers. Uh, the mutation, do its resistance to like uh, the flames. You know, it's actually because its body is adapted to heat, pretty much. So the flamethrowers have no effect on it. But pretty much, what ends up happening is fucking. You know the fire. The village is on fire. This one, the funny thing, this fucking kid Akira is just fucking chasing after pigeons and shit in the village, burning buildings and shit. And his mother's like, "Come on!" He just, he just passes out. Hayata's going to save the kid while this is happening. Ito's talking to the monster straight up. Look what you're doing. And there's a moment of clarity where the human inside the monster actually comes through. And he's looking at what he's done, but he, then he snaps back and he's like, "I'm gonna go fuck up this buildings." And he's go, he's pretty much going, end up going to like a the peace wherever the peace conference is gonna be at. You could tell which building it is because it has all these fake looking flags around it. <laughs> <laughs> the the plastic straws for flagpoles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, and he's about to do it. And, you know, they end up finding... We kind of find out what the monster's weakness is because they shoot rain bombs at them. Water is the monster's weakness. As oh, we that, that's where Shyamalan got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's seen. See, I, I'm starting to realize M. Night Shyamalan's not nearly as original as people give him credit for. Fuck that. <laughs> Swing away. Swing away. Swing away, Ultraman. Swing away. <laughs> but, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, we get to see the monster's weakness, which makes sense because, you know, even how shitty the monster looks, it it does kind of look like it lives in a desert habitat from the looks of it, from what I've seen of it. So it kind of makes sense. You know, Hayata puts the boy down and saves him, and then he turns into Ultraman for the final battle. You know what that means. Don, take it away, buddy. All right. Ultraman flies in as a furious Jamila rips several flags including the French one, I noticed. He rips several flags from the entranceway and manages to shoulder-tackle him away from the rest. Jamila rights himself and dodges as Ultraman tries a flying leap and misses, causing Jamila to pounce on top of him and try to strangle Ultraman. The two begin rolling around trying to get the upper hand until Jamila throws Ultraman away, but he immediately rights himself and begins grappling with Jamila again as they roll around trying to choke each other. Ultraman breaks free and sends a charging Jamila into a nearby building head first, crumbling to the ground around the creature. And as Ultraman tries to mount it for a rear naked choke, Jamila again throws him off and rolls around on the ground trying to break away. 
Ultraman eventually kicks Jamila away and then begins spraying the struggling creature with water from his hands until the struggling, gasping creature collapses on the ground around the ripped off flags expiring for good. Yeah, so, you know... I'm going to piss on you. Ultraman's Drip, <laughs> drip, drop. <laughs> Ultraman, my God! Uh, I, I mean, at least establish the fact that he has some kind of water cannon on there. The Ultra Water shot. Stream oh, coming. God. The Ultra Water Stream. You can buy it now on QVC. Oh man! Uh, yeah. he's, this, he's got he's got hand vagina juice. <laughs> Ultraman got that wop though. Yeah, apparently. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great, but. You know, Jamila ends up dying. They end up making a memorial for the actual astronaut at the conference at the end of the episode. And, you know, pretty much the rest of the science team uh, goes off and Ido is still standing there. And it's kind of like his cannibal holocaust moment. We are the real cannibals. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of like that moment. But I love his line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! What is it? Uh, politicians are all their all the same. Only their words are beautiful. Yeah, that's fantastic. And by the way, in case y'all want to know, uh, on the monument there there's some French words, uh, which translated is "Here sleeps the warrior who was sacrificed for humanity's dreams and the progress of science." Mm-hmm. Mm. Another another first for the series. We're actually mourning the death of the episode's kaiju. That's uh, that's pretty heavy. And, and yeah. to leave us no, with that no. image. No, oh. they did for Pikmon, remember? Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. I just don't remember a freaking funeral. So it, did, it didn't stick in my head as much. But yeah, this was still pretty, pretty damn heavy. And to leave us with that image, you know, with the sun rising and the cross there in the in the foreground. It was it, it's a pretty like I said, just very heavy episode. Yeah, it's actually it, all together. It's like one of the most heaviest Ultraman episodes to date that we watched. Yeah, and it's actually—I'll go ahead first. It's actually one of my favorites that we watched in a while. It's actually really deaf and deaf, and it actually builds on character development. You get to see these characters react to things differently than you would ever see before, like. What would you do if you had to actually kill somebody that you knew was once human? You know, in that aspect of it, I really like. I'll start with Jerry this time. Jerry, what do you think about this episode, man, as a whole? Oh, I fucking loved it. While it was really light on actual, like, kaiju fighting, and we had to deal with the Ultra Jet Stream, now on sale at your local Walmart, um... The the heaviness of the episode was amazing. The fact that they're referencing the Cold War, um, the fact that like obviously the 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 Jamila was from France, yeah. like obviously because how else do you just fucking know about it? Mm-hmm. Like why why did you put French words on his monument? He More was importantly he ac- the, if you actually watch when he goes to attack the flags, the first one he grabs is the French flag. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. dealing him dealing with the with the guilt of this was his fellow comrade in science um that you know uh, that that's heavy dealing with the fact that they're you know trying to have peace talks during a cold war is heavy um 
But I do have a few problems with the episodes. Mostly the, um, how about you explain this invisible wall to me? Why was there an invisible wall? Like, is it just, like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, you explain the invisible jet. It's going so fast you can't see it. Uh-huh. Oh, what the fuck's the invisible, the invisible wall? The invisible wall was the invisible jet. It could have been. But no, but they explained that the invisible jet was only, inv- it wasn't actually invisible. It was going so fast we couldn't see it. Yeah, but then That contradicts the wall. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that if it's invisible because it's going so fast, how is it still invisible when it's it, when it's on the ground when they have to use those laser beams to, to see it? Yeah, so my issue with this episode, and it could be completely the English dubbing. I, this is an episode I actually really want to watch in its original form um, because I feel like there there may have been some bad translations in this one. Because uh, some of that stuff does not make sense at all. So I need to watch the original Japanese version for sure. Um, but just like... The, the, like they, It's all made up for because the story is so good. And I, I won't speak more on the story because everyone else needs a chance to kind of dig into it also. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll stick with those statements that have come out of my mouth apparently. <laughs> Alright, Don, man. Yeah, um, I'm probably a little lower than Jerry. Um, I think the impressiveness of the setup overlooks or causes you to overlook a lot of the shoddy science, which again I might have to might blame on the English dub because yeah, I have the same issue with him as the invisible jet. I mean, okay, first of all, the the trick that he does because he does two different tests because he does the one with the spinning spokes and then he does the one where the pinwheel changes color the pinwheel one makes no makes no sense because there's you could still see that the there's still a jet there so how does that the multicolored pinwheel thing apply to the jet it doesn't make any sense unless it's going so fast it turns clear white but the thing is, is that you can still see the jet stream. So how does the multicolored pinwheel work? Yeah, and also, it, it, white is very different than see-through. Right, yeah. So I, I have no idea where the pinwheel experiment comes in. I understand the tire spoke, because that's an actual thing that you can see. I under I understand where he's coming from with the, with the tire gag, but the pinwheel thing makes no sense whatsoever. And unless this was mentioned in the English dub, where in the bloody blue fuck did they get an actual water bomb? Like, is that common? <laughs> is that like a common thing that you charge off into battle with? Well, they had balloon bombs in the other fucking episodes. They always have stupid bombs. Yeah, but the thing <laughs> is, is that it just looked like the, it didn't even look like there was actually they were shooting bombs at it. It just looked like it rained on the creature, and he just freaked out. Mm-hmm. So, so. Yeah, I, I I understand I understand giving him the weakness of water. It, you know, like you said, he comes from a desert. He it, he transformed on a desert planet. He had, you know, that's you're gonna get a weakness from water that way. But the idea of discovering it just seems a little too con too convenient and wiped away. Well, but, wiped away because that's how they kill the monster at the end. Well, no, I mean wiped away in the sense of like, how did they realize that that's the weakness? Because it starts to react to it. I know, but it just oh, it just looks way too. Yeah, like, 
I think yeah. he's nitpicking a little too much on that because that's. I I agree with Don. How did you randomly find out that like you just out of nowhere like oh just fucking drop water bombs on him because that's a common I, thing we do. Yeah, I like, think like I said. I, I think like I said. I mean, the... unless I miss something in the. I, I, no, I, it's not that I don't disagree with giving it that weakness. That's not the point. It's how do you know. That that's well, they the could, I mean, we well, they weren't dropping the water bombs on the monster; they were dropping on the fire to put the fires out that were on the buildings. And they right. actually, Be- because of the fire gag, they deduced that he was f- probably from a, a desert planet. If he's from a desert, oh, planet okay, and mutated mm. into this creature on a desert planet, then he probably doesn't have any water as part of his system. So that's fair. Water has to have some kind of reaction. I'm thinking that it was just a guess. It was just a total shot in the dark. They're like, fuck it. Just try getting it wet since water has no effect. And they found a weakness. It, okay. it, it, you know, it, they lucked out, basically. It, it's a convenient plot point, but that's how I, I chalk it up is, you know, they, since the fire didn't work and they were able to deduce that he was from a desert planet, it was just a shot in the dark on their part that just happened to work. So, eh. Which happens okay. in a lot of these shit episodes. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, it's a reach. I understand, yeah, but you know. Reach, but I mean, I, I'll probably lo- I'll probably watch it again just to see. But that's eh, not the worst one we've heard. And like I said, the fact that the rest of the setup is so good that these, you know, are probably as low as they are. It, yeah, it's probably not my top five, but I. It, for sure out of the ones we've seen this is a definite top 10 for me um i mean i do go for the more fun ones in a sense but yeah this one i think the setup is just that good the fight's not that bad you know it's a lot of actual hand-to-hand rough throwing each other around grappling fighting on the ground i like that it's a it's a nice touch for a fight we don't get too much miniature work, but it's not bad. And yeah, overall, it, it, one of the best. Venom. Um, at this point, this is easily my favorite episode we've watched. Obviously, we've talked about the issues with the kaiju monster himself, with his his look and the science behind defeating it. But uh, between the emotional content of this episode, the... Um, you know that that backstory, that heart wrenching backstory for the French pilot. I I just absolutely loved it, and and some of the even some of the iconography in this episode, um, some of some of the most memorable shots that I'll keep in my head uh, from this series are coming from this episode. And at this point, um, I've seen all the episodes that I saw when I was a kid. So moving forward, these are all first time watches for me for the rest of this series. So. I'm really looking forward to it and hoping that we get more episodes like this. But but next time you give us an episode with this much emotional weight, also give us a compelling kaiju and, you know, or should I say, uh, compelling kaiju design. Obviously, the backstory is already great. But, um, yeah, as of right now, 23 episodes in, this is my absolute favorite episode, despite its shortcomings. And, you know, I, I, because the series has already been established, it is a kid's show. It is meant for children. I mean, for God's sakes, children sing the theme song. So it's it's solidly a kid's show. But if you're going to present me with an episode like this that's actually going to make me put my pad and pen down and stop taking notes for a while and actually soak in 
what's being displayed on screen. I mean, that's a first for this series for me. I literally stopped taking notes for most of the second half of this episode because I was just so into the story. So, yeah, kudos to, you know, the Ultraman um, makers for this one. And fingers crossed that we're going to see more episodes like this moving forward. You guys obviously already know, so hopefully Two it'll words, be a surprise Monster for Graveyard. Um, uh, just, those two words together are just awesome. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> nice. And I'm with Venom. My favorite episode so far. I really enjoy it. Even with, I do agree there is some. The monster is probably my major shortcoming, the look of the monster. But, you know, I shut my brain off on a lot of the science things because we've seen Mega Godzilla get defeated by a magnet pipe. You know, <laughs> you just got to shut your brain off in some of that shit because it's just kaiju science. It happens in all these. You know, it, you know, I don't pick my that stuff really apart that's i'm a little bit different but it's whatever now yeah that's the ultraman report i'm glad you guys enjoy the episode you know what i want to see i want to see a television series about the group of people that cleans up dead kaiju after a battle there's got to be like a team in japan that specifically their specific purpose is to you know, somehow get rid of these giant bodies that are just left all over Japan after a kaiju in battle. In the in the ninety in the ninety eight cartoon, the sequels in the series for the ninety eight, the cartoon show, uh -huh. there's an episode where they deal with that. That's, That's one awesome. of the episodes. One of the episodes is them dealing with the aftermath of a fight. That's yeah. one of the things. Uh, I'm I'm rewatching Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, because this chick I've been hanging out with has never seen it. Um, and, and we were talking about Shin Godzilla, and I was like, oh, you got to watch Evangelion. It's by the same director, and you'll notice a lot of Neon Genesis Evangelion in the Shin Godzilla soundtrack. So we started watching it, and uh, that's one of the things I like about Evangelion. It almost always shows, like, the wreckage afterwards and them, like, cleaning up the, the dead angels and all of that shit. Like series is down to fucking earth yeah that yeah that that's a that's like a horror comedy series waiting to happen i i, I want to see it yeah i guess closest we got was in pacific rim they, uh, oh, yeah, they yeah. when everyone comes in like they're but it's like black market they're taking that shit to resell it exactly yeah, yeah ron perlman's like i'll sell that but oh my god you're right a, a two guys who uh go and clean up kaiju stuff like <laughs> Like, well, I don't know. Do you have, do you do it where it's the Pacific Rim where it's the two guys going in, in like cleaning up and selling it? Or do you do the government version where it's the two guys working for the government cleaning? Like one of them is older and he just hates this fucking job, but the benefits are so good. And he's got like, you know, a, a, a child with disabilities at home or a sick child or something. So he has to keep doing it. And the other one's like this upstart bright eyed kid who fucking loves Kaiju I do both. It. Fucking, it, it, the series is writing itself. Oh my god! Somebody call Netflix. For real. Good shit. I'd watch it. Nope. Oh man. But yeah, I mean, I, I that that was uh, the end of my commentary for the episode. Absolutely loved it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Dope. Dope. Yes. Uh, this is an episode that I feel like. Um, we could have some deep conversations on. Um, 
And I really like uh, both me and Don, while we have issues with it, our issues really have nothing to do with like the deep conversation that's going on with this episode. And I do want to go back and watch it in its original Japanese form because I feel like this is an episode where that might really matter. Mm-hmm. So I may pop in that, that Blu-ray tonight because uh, while I don't have my fucking DVDs with me so that I could watch the English dub and I had to watch it on YouTube, I do indeed have my Blu-rays, so I may watch my Ultraman Blu-rays tonight figure out what disc it's on. Nice. <laughs> All right, well, with that being said, let's uh, let's do our last roundabout and get out of here. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. We hope you had a good time. And without further ado, we're going to see what everyone's been doing recently. So, Derek, what what have you been recording recently? What do you got to promote? Uh, well, the week of this show, uh, our Cinema Attacks Christmas episode should be out. We covered the Santa Claus trilogy. That's right. We do a lot of Tim Allen impersonations that episode, and you can't wait. Ho, 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 ho. That, uh, that first movie is so fucking weird. Like, okay, li- li- okay. Like, the, the fucking Santa Claus just dies, okay? Dies in front of a fucking child. Disappears like a goddamn Jedi. Tim Allen's just like, okay, I guess I'm gonna do this fucking job, and does it, and then, and like, and he gets back, and none of the elves give half a fuck that Santa's dead. Well, well they actually make a joke about that in uh, the second movie, where everyone likes you more since you took over the job. Do they? I've never, se- I've only ever seen the first one. Yeah, well, was... isn't like Andy Dick in like the third one? No, Martin Short. Oh, Martin Short. Oh, well, I fucking love Martin yeah, Short. So yeah, they fuck actually yeah. build on it because they actually have, like, a lot of, like, uh, the holiday characters come. As they have, like, a committee where you get, like, the two fairy, the Easter Bunny, Mother Nature. They all come have, like, holiday meetings and shit where they talk uh, about political shit. It's kind of Mar- like, it's like Martin Short of fucking holiday characters. Martin Short is fucking wonderful. Yeah, they're, they're pretty funny, especially if you watch them back to back. You know, because they have, like, continuity and they talk about certain issues and shit. It's actually fun. But uh, that should be out. And, of course, uh, recently we recorded an episode of No More Room in Hell where, uh, you know, me and Venom and Mike Merriman, or as we call him, Mike Skypey Man, uh, talked about uh, some subway horror films from the U.K., Raw Meat and uh, Creep from 2004. Check that show out. We had Gary Hill on from Cinema Beef. Pretty fun time. And uh, finally, uh, they're here. We're actually we're gonna be probably getting back into recording after the year New Year starts, because uh, Lacey's just busy with doing like all those Christmas shows for Cut to the Chase right now, big holiday shows and big holiday planning. And you know, start off fresh in the new year, but still going. We still talk every day, get plans for new episodes, so that's good at least. And that's about it for me. A few guest spots I filmed recently for other shows, but. Yeah, that's about it. Dope. Uh, Don, what do you got going on? All right. So um, I ended up and I uh, did an episode with Derek on uh, Cinema Attack. The last episode in the rotation was um, looking at the released uh, films in the Hotel Inferno trilogy. Um, I know that there's at least six, right? There's six plans. Yeah. Yeah, there's six plans 
but only two have been officially released. I think the third one is supposed to be out soon. Um, if it's not finished, it should be out pretty soon. But um, anyways, we looked at the two that are available. Uh, Hotel Inferno and Hotel Inferno 2 Cathedral of Pain. Uh, that can be found on the Cinema Attack feed. Uh, I also do, uh, as a running joke, uh, the unofficial third co-host of Fresh Cuts. So pretty much been on there ever since, what, May, June, somewhere? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been in there pretty much ever since quarantine. Uh, nothing else to do, so... <laughs> yeah, been uh, with them every week, uh, except for one, when I couldn't... Uh, we changed the recording dates too early, and I could get to it in time. But um, other than that, been with them ever since. Uh, last episode should have been... Don't Listen, and I think the new one is Anything for Jackson, mm -hmm. which be out around the time that this is released uh other than that um do have there should be one or two episodes of of uh bay of blood or as i should say now the graveyard shit podcast which is the new name for the show uh there should be two or three episodes that are ready to be released uh no idea um i mean i i have no idea what a recording schedule is uh, the, the joke on the show is that the recording schedule just basically goes, hey, you up? All right, I'll be on Skype in 30 minutes. Be there. And we're literally not that far off. And that's like <laughs> literally what the recording schedule is like. So, um, yeah, I've, I've recorded a couple of episodes with them uh, like within the past month or so. So uh, they should be ready to come out. So keep an eye on that one. And that, uh, that's all like that all right uh venom i always save you for last 17 <laughs> podcasts to go let's do it well today won't be as long since uh derek and don both already covered my work on no more room in hell and the sidecast uh no more room in hell presents fresh cuts of course fresh cuts is weekly so check that out every week um on in the mic of madness which finally made its triumphant return this month uh we just did kind of a fun episode where we did basically our top 10 favorite sex scenes from horror films or spank bank material as we called it um it was a lively little discussion talking about all of our uh memories of diddling ourselves to certain scenes in horror films <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, check that out on the latest in the Mic of Madness. On the next episode, we will um, finally finish off the Frank Henenlotter retrospective with the first of the Basket Case films, and then we'll probably do Basket Case 2 and 3 on the following episode. Uh, look out for that on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. On It's Not Horror Okay, a movie commentary podcast I do with Mr. Neil Lemoy from NFW and Heather and Scott from uh, the Friday Nightmares podcast. On the last episode, we did a commentary for Kill and Kill Again, which is the 1981 sequel to 1980's Kill or Be Killed, a pair of South African martial arts films that are just fun as hell, terrible as hell, but fun as hell. Uh, so check out those commentaries. Um, 
is that all from me? I think I think that's all for me for my actual shows for now, since I still unfortunately have a couple of shows on extended hiatuses. Uh, but as far as a couple of guest spots go, you can uh, see me on episode or hear me on episode three of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Italian Month retrospective. Uh, we did uh, our director was Alberto DiMartino. We looked at three of his films, which included The Killer is on the Phone, Holocaust 2000, also known as The Chosen and The Antichrist. So check that episode out. Uh, that one should still be available on the Horophilia Network for now. And then my latest guest spot was on Cut to the Chase with Mr. Dan Chase and Miss Lacey Liu. Uh, this was, of course, the uh, part of their Cut to the Chase Miss series, uh, their Christmas series. And we looked at one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, some people consider it a Christmas film. Some do not. But since the entire third act uh, occurs during the Christmas season, I think we can count it. And that is, of course, Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. So check that out on the latest episode of Cut to the Chase. And that's all from me for now. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, such a tearjerker. <laughs> not, uh, not a fan of the movie. I'm not a big Tim Burton fan, though, in general. Uh, yeah, um, you, don't, you don't like fun things. No, I, I like Ed Wood. His Ed Wood movie is fucking awesome. Oh, that's a great one. Um, and I do love Johnny Depp. I just I, I've never really cared for that movie uh, or The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, even though he didn't direct that movie, right. we still call it his movie. Oh, Henry it's got it's got his stink all over it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's uh the movie version of Edgar Allan Poe. There you go. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, not gonna do a whole podcast on fucking Tim Burton. Uh, as for me, Kill the Cast came back and we did a show that was, uh, we all three picked five movies we would want to see get a modern day remake slash reboot. It was a lot of fun, a lot of good choices, um, a lot of, a lot of good conversation in that, so check that out. But that's literally all I've done. That's all you've gotten from me for fucking, like, three months. Um, but now I'm back, uh... And we've got Underwater Kaiju coming out. I will get to work on getting uh, all the other side shows back up and running. I actually think my number one priority besides, like, Kill the Cast is uh, getting me and, Ventil me and Venom's Cult Unknown show back up and running and doing a second episode. Because uh, we already know what we want to do. We, we have the topic picked out. Uh, but you guys do have to understand it takes us, like, a month to do that show. Uh, we researched the fuck out of it, um, which, by the way, uh, the topic we, we were thinking about do, that we said we we're going to do, uh, there's a, a new documentary on that topic's been added to Amazon Prime. I saw that. Yep. I, I haven't did you? Okay. It, but yeah, I did see that it was added. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't watched it either yet, but I saw that and I was like, well, I need to make fucking Colt Unknown episode two happen. There you go. Um, so, so I'm back to podcasting. Everyone, welcome me back. I took fucking three months off or something because uh, my life yeah. was it, it it might have been yeah but it might have been more well yeah it was because i took um because you, you, you i got the new job and i took time off from that yeah uh so i could deal with that um and the only podcast that i was doing really was um the summer series for podcasts under the yeah. stairs mm -hmm. yeah um and then everything else happened we we got you man yeah yes. If you know, you know. If you don't, fucking 
I don't know what to tell you. Um, so that's it. We are out. Thank you uh, to everyone for coming back on our triumph return uh, and letting us give you our visions from Monsterland. We are Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, and we will see y'all next time. Peace. Later. Destroyer! If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.